0: All right. Well, we are in a new year, and I guess over the last many years, actually, we have been doing many series uh, to to take us through our, our Sunday uh, gatherings. Uh, and I guess we're doing a series this year, but uh, this this year, but we're doing one series. It's uh, going to be Kingdom Seekers, and we're going to be in the Book of Matthew this year. Uh, and so I encourage you, if you have, uh, because um, you know, there was a real beautiful lady who uh, gave a very impactful message last week about reading your word. Who started to read their word because of the beautiful lady? No, because of the anointing of the Holy Spirit, okay? (laughs) It's not too late to start. It's not too late to start Get in your word, but I do encourage you to make Matthew a part of your your journey this year when you're in the word, because uh, that's where we're going to be on the Sunday gatherings, and it will really help. There's something about preparing your heart before you come into this place that gets you prepared for what the Lord wants to do while you're in this place, okay? So would you stand with me? We're going to go ahead and read from the book of Matthew chapter three. Let's read together. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair, and he held a had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locust and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, "'You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, "'We have Abraham as our father.'" I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it brings life. I thank you that it brings revelation. I ask that our hearts would be open to hear from you today. Lord, thank you, Lord, for the privilege and opportunity is to sit under your word and to know you through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if your eyeballs are working uh, today, when you walked into this place, you saw something new out in the foyer, Uh, we are, uh, as of last year, we're celebrating the completion of 50 years as a church ministry. And I want to thank Pastor Barbie and Pastor Jonathan and Sue Cole who worked diligently to get this up uh, by this Sunday for us to begin the, the new year, and the new series. And we're gonna be talking about 50 years of God's faithfulness all throughout the year. And you're going to hear important words this year, such as heritage, legacy, and family. We're gonna be talking about those things uh, as we journey together uh, this, this year. And as a part of uh, this uh, the, what's going on out there and, and celebrating our, our 50 years and also in connection to where I believe the Lord wants to take us this morning in the Word, I have a foundational fundamental question that I want us to, to have in our heart and our spirit as we navigate through this year. And that question is this, what is your story? <clears throat> what is your story? What are the ins and outs of your story? Who's a part Of your story? And more importantly, is your story your story or is it his story? Is it his story? Do you know that you have a purpose? that God has a plan for your life and that you have a very important part to play in God's story, that he does not create insignificant beings. He creates significance because of his power. And what he does, he creates significance through what he does and he uses that. He manipulates that through his story all of the time. God uses the things that that we are able to bring, that we are able to do because of his mighty power through us in order to bring many and many people to him and to advance his kingdom. You are part of a story. You have a very important part to play in God's story. So we're celebrating 50 years of God's faithfulness. If you're new to Springhouse, there was no magic wand when you walked in today and boom, here we are just sitting here. There were pioneers. There were people who went before and plowed the ground. There is a a story to be had of how we got from where we were to where we are right now. And many of you, and especially if you're in this place today, you are a part of that story. And it's rich and it's powerful because it's about God. It's about God. And so today we're going to examine a story about a man uh, that we look at, uh, who we look at in the book of Matthew chapter three, and his name is John the Baptist. Now we're not going to do an exhaustive survey of John the Baptist this morning, uh, and I'm sure that we will be picking up bits and pieces of his story uh, throughout the year, but we're going to have uh, uh, this introductory part of John's story uh, in terms of the beginning of his ministry. Now, we first learn about John in terms of his early days in the book of in the book of Luke. Uh, if you remember Zechariah and you remember Elizabeth, they are the parents of John uh, the Baptist. And if you, we've just come out of the Christmas Advent season, and so maybe we're reminded of this story where the angel Gabriel appeared to. Zachariah when he was in the temple. Uh, and the angel Gabriel said, Zachariah, you're going to have a baby. Your, your wife's going to have a baby. And, and Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were of the age where baby really wasn't an option anymore. And some of you are in that age demographic. I won't call names, but uh, you can relate. Okay. There comes a certain point in time when that just seems to be off the pay- table. But he had been praying. He had been praying for a baby. And, that, uh, and uh, Gabriel said, you're going to have this baby. This is going to happen. And he doubted. And if you you know the story, uh, Zechariah, because of his doubt, he became mute uh, as a sign of, of, of God's sovereignty, but also the sign of God's power, and that his word will do uh, what he says it's going to do. And so Zechariah comes out, and he's mute, and he can't speak, uh, and the very first words that come out of Zechariah's mouth are at the time when the baby's born, and they're trying to so- decide the name. And of course, Gabriel's already said that the name is going to be John, but John wasn't really... John is just kind of, it seemed to be like pulled out of thin air. John, there's no John in the lineage. There's no John in the, in, the, in the family name. And the first words that come out of Zechariah's mouth are, his name will be John. His name is to be John. And because of his obedience in that, he was liberated. Do you know that obedience will always bring about liberation? Obedience will always bring about Freedom in your life. And so here we have John the Baptist, and I would like to tell you what John the Baptist was like as a toddler, as a four-year-old, as a 10-year-old, as a 15-year-old. We don't know that information. It's almost like when you open the book of Matthew, it should have gone uh, Matthew 1, 2, and there's a missing chapter in there to give you all the backstory of both John and Jesus and and as they grew up. But we pick up 20 to 30 years uh, later with John's story where he is out in the wilderness, and he is preaching a message to the people. This is the first time we catch up with John. So there is a gap, but just because there's a gap doesn't mean there's not a story. Just because there's a gap doesn't mean that there's not a story. But the difference between the story and the reason that it's not in Scripture is because this story picks up where it involves Jesus. The significance of your story picks up when Jesus is introduced into your story. That's when the significance of your story comes. I could tell you a lot about Kevin O'Day, but none of it is significant or matters unless Jesus Christ is a part of it. Jesus Christ is the one who has changed my life. Jesus Christ is the one who has changed your life and he is the significant part of your story. And so what I, want to, uh, what I wanna uh, quickly go through or examine as we go through Matthew chapter three this morning is I wanna look at John and his ministry. John was a leader. I wanna tell you in this room, this may be a surprise to some of you and I know that we acknowledged all the leaders up here and introduced the leaders of Springhouse, but every single one of you in this place is a leader. And let me tell you why. You are following someone and someone is following you. If you're a parent in this place, you're a leader. If you're a teacher in this place, you're a leader. If you're driving down the road and somebody's following you, you are a leader and some of you are bad, guilty, <laughs> but you are, you're a leader and, and John the Baptist, guess what? He was a leader. He was a leader in the kingdom. He was a leader in the kingdom. Do you remember the part of the story when Elizabeth was, uh, I believe she was in her between her fourth and sixth month and Mary comes and Mary's carrying Jesus. And just because of the proximity of Jesus, John leaps. In Elizabeth's belly. Do you know that the proximity, how close you get to Jesus, it will cause a change in your life? If you get close to Jesus, it will cause things to shift inside. I want to ask you today, what is your story and, and, which, and, and how much proximity are you to this Christ? How much proximity are you in to this Jesus? How much a part of your story is he? is he? So I want to look at John the Baptist and his ministry, and I want to look at three areas. I want to look at John's message, I want to look at John's method, and I want to look at John's motivation. I wanna look at his message, his method, and his motivation. So let's look first at his message. John's message was very clear. I don't know if you've heard, maybe you probably have heard from me. You know, I go through, we go through a schedule. We're looking at the scripture and we're looking at different, uh, different topics and things like that. So there might be a different topic next week as opposed to this week and the, the week after and those types of things. Hopefully all centering in on the point, which is Jesus. John had one message and the message was this, repent. For the kingdom of heaven has come near. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, there were other religious leaders, primarily the Pharisees and the Sadducees, which we read about also in this passage. And these leaders also had a message to convey to the people. The difference between John's message and the religious leader's message is that John's message was bathed in life. The religious leader's message was bathed in fear. It was bathed in fear. John was not preaching a message that said, repent because you're so bad. Repent because you're so wrong. Repent because you you, you need to clean up your sins. Although all of that is true. John's message was repent because life has come. Repent and change your ways because the kingdom of heaven is here. Do you know that Jesus embodied the kingdom of God? Jesus embodies the kingdom of God and he literally physically was coming near and John was saying repent because there's something so much better out there. Whereas as opposed to the religious leaders, their message was you need to repent or you're gonna die. You need to repent or we're gonna stone you. And they walked around as righteous beings who had it all together. John had a message. His message was very clear. Repent. For the kingdom of heaven is near. We don't really have a good grasp all the time on what repentance actually is and what repentance actually means. But I want you to know that if there are key foundational terms and words in the kingdom, repentance is one of them. Repentance is not a feeling. I was taught growing up at a particular uh, I was in a particular denomination and I was taught growing up that repentance was the moment when you got saved, when you gave your heart to Jesus, you asked Jesus, then that was repentance and then everything else beyond that was fine except for if you did anything wrong, you're gonna burn in hell and then you had to go tell everybody else about this hell because you didn't want everybody else to be there. Hell, 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 it's all I learned about. And so man, it certainly did scare me out of hell to hear about hell because hell was a place I didn't wanna go. Repentance, repentance is not just that moment where you feel guilty about what you've done and you attach a feeling and you say, well, I've repented. That's kind of like me doing something wrong to Sherry five years ago, saying sorry, and we reconciling, and then five years later, I do something wrong and be like, I'm not talking to her. I said, five, I said sorry five years ago. It'd be a cold night in my house if I ever did that. <laughs> Repentance is perpetual. Repentance is a continuation. It's a part of your journey in this life. Repentance. Repentance is the evidence of a changed mind. It is the evidence of a changed mind. The pattern of behavior has changed because the mind has changed. And I'm gonna tell you right now, because we are flesh and broken and not strong at all, we don't have the power to repent without the sovereign grace and power of the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. We need the Holy Spirit's intervention in our life to give us the strength and power to truly turn away from what we've done. And guess what? He wants to be that power for each one of you. He wants, he has come to bring a kingdom for which, to which you can belong, to which you do belong. And there is so much that you have access to in that kingdom. But boy, if you're trying to trailblaze with all the things of the world that you used to dabble in, you are not going to reach the complete benefits of this kingdom that you have access to, nor the king. Repentance, turning away Changing your mind and having the evidence of your changed mind. It's not in just what you say. It is also in what you do. I really, I really made a, a, a mistake uh, uh, several weeks ago. I was in the store. I was in a Dollar General store and I was with my two girls. And I wanna tell you guys, I do not want to just be a Christian when I'm standing here on this stage. I don't wanna be a Christian when I'm out there in the foyer, just out there in the foyer. I don't wanna just be a Christian when I, when I go to breakfast with Curse Bryce, Bryson. I don't wanna just be a Christian when I'm around my Christian friends. I want people to look at my life and say, he must be a believer. He must be a believer because of what he does. And I'll tell you, I really, I really uh, messed this up a couple of weeks ago, I was in the store and I had my two girls with me. And man, isn't it just, it's so embarrassing when you have people who are close to you and you mess up around them, right? We're in the store and there's this man in there. He's the older gentleman and he's working at the store. And you know those little balloons with the sticks? Like they have the sticks and the balloons? Well, he's in there and he's like arranging them or something like that and he trips and knocks them over. So all the balloons have now fallen on the ground. Well, I was getting a toy for Lucy and, um, and Ruby and I took their hands and we stepped over those balloons and walked right over to the checkout and checked out. I got to my car and the Holy Spirit said, what is that? <laughs> and I just, I said to Barbie early, sir, I said, that is not who I, please tell me that's not who I am. That's not indicative of who Kevin is, but boy, don't we all miss it? Don't we all miss it? But that man has no idea my relationship to Christ at all because I did not bend down and help him in that moment. I missed it, and we miss it, but the goal is that we wouldn't miss it. The hope is that we wouldn't miss it. And so what I can't do is say, I have repented and turned away, but my pattern continues to be the same. Patterns, patterns. We are looking to break patterns, people. When you repent, it is a changed way of doing things. Repentance is essential to the believer's story. It's essential to the believer's story. It is the time when the Holy Spirit got a hold of your heart and your life and things changed. Our lives should look and be different than that of the world. This is what 2 Corinthians chapter 7 says. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. It's not sorrow because I just felt bad that I offended you or I did something wrong or I hurt or I I did something. No, godly sorrow, Holy Spirit convicted sorrow brings about repentance and that causes the change. Worldly sorrow only leads to death. You can feel sorry in the world. I've got got non-believer friends who feel sorry about stuff and they're they're head to death. godly sorrow changes. Godly sorrow changes things. So the religious leaders, they also had a message and their message bathed in fear was one that you need to be as righteous, not as righteous necessarily as God, but as righteous as I am, says the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And so we read at the end of this story that John gets really upset. He actually calls them brood of vipers. You know what a viper is, right? It's a snake, you know, brood of snakes. Who told you of the coming wrath? Because you're just coming around this baptism because you want to be noted. You want to be seen because God is actually doing something. Church, beware of leaders who only show up so that they can be noticed. Beware of leaders who show up just so they can say, I was here and checked it off the list. So let's talk about method. There's a message and there's a method. There's a method. The Bible tells us that John had great fashion. John was wearing clothes that were made out of camel hair and a leather belt and He did not look like the other religious leaders. It was customary back in the day that if you were gonna teach about anything about the Lord, there was a certain way that you were supposed to look. And boy, do we not still have that problem today. If you're going to teach about the Lord, you better look, sound, and do a certain thing. But can I just tell you, that the Lord has this uncanny knack of picking the most messed up people to do his work. He has this uncanny knack of taking the most broken, flawed individuals and thrusting them right up in leadership. You know why? Because those people don't deserve to be in leadership and they don't know what they're doing and they have to lean on an all-powerful God. They have to lean on an all-powerful God. The religious leaders of the day, the difference between John and them is they didn't need God. They had themselves and they felt that they were righteous enough. Beware of people who will lead you and they don't need God to do it. Beware of people who will show up to be a part of the crowd, but they don't need God as a part of their lives. We need to be led and in fellowship and connected to people who need Jesus. John the Baptist looked different. He looked different and it was part, it was intentional. It was a part of his method to get his message across. So what I'm asking you to do, because we need to look like John, is I'm asking you to get you some sackcloth and some worms. No, but you shouldn't look like the world. You should look foreign to the world if you belong to this kingdom. So you might not be putting on sackcloth or or camel hair clothes or eating locusts, but let me tell you something. You sure can put on compassion. You sure can put on humility. You sure can put on kindness and joy and love. You can sure digest truth instead of digesting lies because when you input, that becomes your output. And so if you digest truth, then your output is going to be truth. So we should look different than the world because the world steps over the balloons. But the kingdom says, can I help you? I see you've fallen. I see you've made a mistake. Let me lend you a hand. Another thing that John used as a method of getting his message across was baptism, water baptism. And we're going to talk uh, more in depth about water baptism next week. And I want to encourage you, listen to me clearly, please. If you've not been baptized, do it next week. Let's do it. Let's be baptized in the name of Jesus. We're going to talk about it next week. We're going to have opportunities for people to be baptized next week, okay? So make that a part of your prayer this week and see a pastor if you're interested in that. But John uses baptism. And he's very careful to say that the water with which he uses to baptize isn't anything special. It's just water, and it signifies a changed life. Here's what baptism was back when John was doing baptism. Baptism was not for the Jews. The bapt- baptism was for the Gentiles. And if you wanted to be a part of the Jewish tradition, you would be baptized as a Gentile, and you would become a Jew, Jew. And the Jews would look at the Gentiles and call the Gentiles dogs. And so those dogs over there, until they're baptized, they don't belong to our tradition or to our people. And John's message was saying, listen, no one is superior to anyone else. Everyone needs Jesus Christ. And so the Jews would would in humility go into the water just like the dogs or the Gentiles and they would be baptized to signify, I have nothing to offer here that is worth anything. I need Jesus to be a part of my story. The kingdom of heaven has come near. The kingdom of God has come near. And so as a symbol of their repentance, they would go into the water and they would participate just like the dogs. In Isaiah, where it says, prepare the way of the Lord. In Isaiah, where this scripture talks, in in, in Matthew, it refers to Isaiah. It's talking about preparing the way of the Lord. Make the paths straight. And what it's talking about in that passage is when a king would come to town, they would send a messenger out to that town and say, the king is coming. And the roads were not like I-24. I-24 is kind of messed up, but it's not like Sam Ridley or Old National Highway. It wasn't a paved road. We are so privileged. Let me tell you guys, we are so privileged in this country to have roads. We take for granted the infrastructure that we have that we are so blessed to have. If you've ever been to a foreign country, the chaos that is, that is in, their, in their infrastructure, we are so blessed here to have that. But do you understand that whenever a king would come, the roads that had holes in them and cracks and crevices and all of this, they would send messengers and the people would go out in groves and they would condition the road for the king. And they would make straight the road for the king. They would flatten the surface and they would make the road worthy enough for the king. Guys, the problem is, is we go out and do the work of flattening the road and then we try to walk down that road ourselves. John was using a metaphor here. When he was, when he was speaking, make straight the path in your heart. Make straight the path in your heart to welcome the king, to welcome the king. Our ways are not his ways. Our ways are not his ways. And so when it comes to methods, when it comes to the way we give the gospel, we share the good news, guys, I have to tell you, we cannot use worldly tactics and expect kingdom results. We cannot use worldly tactics and expect worldly results. This means that the how we do something is just as important as the what we do. The pathway and the journey that we choose is so important. I like to go home from time to time in our marriage. I will go and I will unload the dishwasher. That is a task that typically Sherry does, but I will, to bless Sherry, I will go and I will uh, unload the dishwasher, the problem is, is that when I take the dishes and I take the silverware, I throw them into the drawer. Do you know they make these little things that go spoons, knives, forks? My, my method of loading dishwashers dishwasher is to pull the silverware out and put it in the drawer and close the drawer. Dishwashers unloaded. I need you to appreciate me from, for unloading the dishwasher. Well, Sherry comes along and she looks and she says, oh, the dishwasher's unloaded. And then she opens that drawer and she gets frustrated. She gets so frustrated why? Because the how was just as important as the what? Yes? She can't appreciate the dishwasher being unloaded if it's not done in the right way. Are you with me? In other words, don't go and give the gospel of Christ and then show everybody something else. If you're going to give the gospel of Christ, let's be people who both talk the talk and walk the walk. We sometimes choose the people we follow. Catch this. We sometimes choose the people we follow because they look the part instead of the fact that they actually walk what they're saying. We choose the people we follow because they have an infectious personality or an infectious attitude. Or maybe they have charisma. Or maybe they look a certain way. And let me tell you, I'm gonna give you the antidote. If you are fault, which everybody here is following someone. Let me tell you the litmus test on whether or not that person is worth the leadership position they have. It's when things get rough. If they change their behavior when things go down, because let me tell you, things are gonna go down. And especially if you're a leader. You know, the, the worst thing about being a leader for me, the worst thing is I'm in the spotlight all the time. If I have a flaw, it's gonna be aired out quicker than any of you. You guys get to hide. I am in the spotlight all of the time. Here are my flaws, here are my flaws, here are my flaws. When things hit the fan and things go crazy in a leader's life, watch them and see how they respond because when the rubber hits the road, you will know whether or not they are actually walking the walk of what they talk, of what they talk. When you guys come to me, for advice, for counsel, for anything like that. I should not be doing anything more or less than preparing the way of the Lord in your life. In your life. Luke 7 says this, all the people even the tax collectors when they heard Jesus's words this is after Jesus ministry had started they acknowledged that God's way was right how and why did the sinners recognize that God's way was right they recognized it because they had been baptized by John. I bring this up because I find this to be significant, that God will use what he has given you in your ministry, in your message later on down the line as long as it glorifies him. John's method was to use baptism and the people who were baptized by John, it was an easy shoe in to be able to receive, hey, I believe God's ways when Jesus was standing right in front of them. But do you realize that the people who did not even recognize Jesus was standing right in front of them were the ones who did not get baptized and were the religious leaders? I do not want to be a person who does not recognize Jesus as standing right in front of me. Because I am so self-righteous and so consumed with myself and so consumed with my problems and my hurt and my this and my that. I want to recognize when Jesus is standing right next to me. I want to recognize when he's right in front of me. And guys, sometimes Jesus is sitting across from you at a breakfast table. He's sitting, sometimes Jesus is out in the corridor out there. Sometimes Jesus is on the road. He's in the supermarket. Jesus will manifest himself all over the place. Do you recognize him? And is he part of your story? This is what St. Francis of Assisi says. He says, preach the gospel at all times. Use words as necessary. Some of us are talking way too much and we need to shut our mouths and do some more walking. Me included. We need to do some more walking it out and let our actions do the, 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 the work. Guys, what is the, biggest, what is the biggest critique of the church nowadays? It's hypocrisy. And guess what? We are hypocrites. We are hypocrites. And guess what? The church is for hypocrites. The church is here for hypocrites. That's like saying the sick can't go to a hospital. The hospital's for the sick. The church is for hypocrites. And so we come in here and we we learn where we've been hypocritical. And this is where the litmus test comes. Do we change our way of thinking and repent and turn the other way? So that the world can see that we are as broken and flawed as everybody else, but we rely and lean on this savior that we need, who is Jesus Christ. Our actions to speak louder than words. Paul was arrested unjustly and he was in jail. And over in Philippians, he writes a letter. In Philippians one, he says this, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Guys, is your story conducted in a way that is worthy of the gospel of Christ? When people encounter your story, when they come up into your life, do they see the story unfolding as a mark of Christ in your life? Whatever it is, whatever it is, and it's not when things are great, it's usually when things are not going well. Well, what about when I've been wrong, Wronged, whatever happens. What about when I've been hurt? Whatever happens. What about whenever I didn't get what I deserve? Whatever happens, whatever happens, we are responsible for our choices, our words, what we do, what we say in those situations. And it should be counted worthy of the good news of Jesus Christ. What was John's motivation? John's motivation can be summed up in one phrase. His motivation was to prepare the way for the Lord John's motivation was to prepare the way for the Lord. Guys, you can come on out. Prepare the way for the Lord. This should be our primary motivation, church, when we are receiving and giving the gospel. It's to make Jesus known, to prepare the way for the Lord. You don't want to follow people who are pointing you to themselves. You don't need another, guys, if you come to me with an issue or a problem, you don't need Kevin's opinion. You need me to prepare you for the Lord, for the Lord to move in your life. You need people to speak in your life. And you, as you are giving, what we like to do is go sit in a cesspool of our problems. And we like to gossip about everything about it. We like to talk about, it. we like to dissect that thing. We like to tear the scab instead of sitting down with each other and saying, listen, this is the path of righteousness. This is the truth about this situation. Yes, it doesn't sound good, feel good. They should pay for what they did. But this is what you need to do. And guess What? It's not what the world does. Those religious leaders would tell you a tooth for the tooth, an eye for an eye. And they would send you out ready to fight. But Jesus says there's another way. And we've been equipped with the knowledge that there is another way. There is another way. And that way brings reconciliation and liberation. And it brings all of those things that only Jesus Christ can bring. God has assembled a number of leaders here at the church. And I believe that all of the leaders of this church would point you in the way of preparing your heart for the Lord. I mean, look at this motley crew. These people, these, these people are a mess, okay? These people are a mess. But I would rather follow a broken person who's being led by Jesus Christ than somebody who has it all together, looks the part and doesn't walk the walk because many can draw a crowd, but only one can change your life. Only one can change your life. John's motivation was to point people to Jesus. Guys, our motivation in sharing the gospel, receiving the gospel, and what we are about our story, our motivation should be centered on Jesus Christ. So what is the way to ensure our message, our method, and our motivation are right? We have to produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And when we do that, our message will be the truth. Our method will be effective. And our motivation will be pure. What is your story? How is it connected? Is Jesus infused in your story in extraordinary ways? Not in ways you can control. I'm talking about those moments that you couldn't control. Where was your faith? When's the last time you stepped out and trusted the Lord by faith for something? There's not a financial need being met in my life. When did you step out in faith? When's the last time you stepped out and actually believed, put action to what you say you believe? What is your story? I wanna hear some God's stories in this house. And guys, we have 50 years of God's stories. I want more stories written on the walls. I don't wanna hear about Kevin or Chelsea or Pedro or or James and Dana. I wanna hear about Jesus Christ and what he did in our lives, which means we have to render what we cannot control. We have to give to him what is outside of our control. And guess what? He wants it. So is your story one of you being in control on that highway that's smooth? Or is your story one that takes a posture that says I surrender. I surrender to you, Jesus. And I need to prepare my heart daily for you, Lord, to change my life. That you might that you might consider me worthy enough that somebody else's life would be influenced because of the change you're doing inside me. What is your story about? Would you stand with me? We're gonna sing about being in awe of this wonderful God. And it's 2023, it's a new day, but you might be saying to yourself, you know what, Kevin, I'm in control of some things. I've got a mess I'm still contending with. I'm gonna ask some leaders to come down here and pray. And these are the leaders who are gonna point you to the truth. The truth that says, prepare your heart for the Lord. So if you have a need today, if you've come with something, you've carried some baggage and you wanna be liberated, the word earlier in the house was freedom. You can be set free today. But you gotta step out and choose it, people. And these brothers and sisters down here wanna love you enough to walk with you in the process. So come, anything, you got sickness, illness, come. Anything you need, God's ready available to meet you. Let's sing.